Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Dwight, this is a little bit personal to you because I remember in one of your campaigns that you're running in D&D, our bard happened to charm a growl. And then you had to go figure out how to kill that growl so we wouldn't have a growl as a basically a slave for us to use as. Yeah, so here's the problem. Pre-made adventure, which I was my first time running through a pre-made adventure. It's called uh, Return of the Castle Greyhawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Expedition. Expedition of the Castle Greyhawk is what it was. It was for D&D 3.5. And uh, my brother-in-law, who if you've listened to some of our earlier episodes, Matt... He is a min-maxer. He's a power gamer. He decided to play a bard. Okay, no big deal, right? No, except his bard dropped everything he possibly could into dominate and charm monster. So he basically charms his monster, dominates his monster to fight for you. The problem is the monster was at the same challenge rating you guys were at. And the other problem was the monster had something like, I don't know, six attacks or something, and at low level... Like since six tentacles. It was nasty. It was na- And there was poison on it, too. Like, this monster was meant to take on four seventh-level players, not become the fifth seventh-level player. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. And so, like, you guys are just starting to walk through stuff, and I wasn't talented enough yet to know what to do about it. So when you guys needed to go to town, I said, you guys can't take the... The growl there. Like, they're going to kill it. Like, the town guard's going to freak out. And they were like, oh, yeah, I know you're right. So when they, when you then came back, the growl had mysteriously been killed from the room that you said to leave it. Like, or just stay here. Don't move. Well, something had come in and killed that growl because I could not allow that anymore. That was sloppy way of handling it, but it was effective. So let me tell you what I would do today. So the problem with Charm Monster and Dominate in D&D 3.5 is it's horribly broken. I'm sure they've gotten it much better in 5, where it's not like this thing where it's like, I can just permanently charm a monster forever because I can force it to fail its will save. Every seven days, I just keep casting it on him and have it fail yeah. its will save. Yeah. So what I would do is simply this. So let's say that they do do that. Fine. And I'm not playing a pre-made. Then I would just start upping the challenge level of the monsters. So now I would play it as if I had a you had an extra fifth player. So what that means in like a traditional setting is I up the challenge rating by one or two just to make it uneven. And if I give you a challenge rating five or six levels ahead of you, it's not death necessarily. Or maybe it is. And maybe all the guys kill the monster that you charmed. How weird would that be? Um, which you guys are happy about with because you're like, oh, hey, that was nice. We didn't take a bunch of damage. And now the charm monster becomes a dog. It willingly gives its life for you, so you may live. But the other thing you could roll is you could look at it, and if you think that charm is so horribly broken, you could say any time that the, the creature takes a damage, it then gets to make another will save that it cannot be forced to fail. And see if, you know, if it starts taking multiple damage, it might turn on you. And it's going to be angry, 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 angry. And it's only going to target the person that it's been forced to, you know, like. Because that's exactly, you took its free will. Of course it's going to be that way. So that's one way to do it. Um, So kind of how, you may need to house rule the charm and dominates if they haven't done that enough yet for your liking. So that anytime a monster is given a command, it doesn't agree with it gets a will save. And anytime a monster um, is taking damage, it gets a will save, even if it's dominated. And you might just do a thing where like the, the save DC is higher for those those saves. So it's like has a good chance of it not happening. But 
the thing is you can't also just have this, you know, your wizard or whatever running around with 17 charmed monsters at a time. And that's all they do is they load up charm monster for every skill they have. And every day they charm all their monsters to make sure that they can run around with this horde of whatever's with them. So that's one way to do it. Um, up the level entirely. Um, and then house rule. The other thing I would do with charm and dominate is literally maybe you find out how they're going to rule it and use it and be really look at, look really carefully what the, the component costs are. A lot of times DMs don't look at the component costs of spells. And what happens is some of these spells are incredibly, absolutely amazing. But then when you actually look at what it costs to do, so I remember like the old stone skin, which was Pitching great. Diamond dust for like one, three grand. 1,000 diamond dust. So for 1,000 GP worth of diamond dust. So every time you cast it, you had to tell me somehow where you got 1,000 gold pieces of diamond dust. Because I don't remember you asking at the last town if they had 1,000 gold bits of diamond dust. And here's the fun part. You might have to get to some metropolis for me for to that. find some sort of dude who's willing to... First of all, grind diamonds into dust. Like, how do you even do that? I mean, last I checked, diamonds pretty hard. I mean, in our world, it's the hardest substance we know of. In their world, it's like the third hardest substance. So you got some guy with an adamantine hammer just going that to town on, on diamond. I mean, how we do it is like a hydraulic press. So we are talking heavy right. tech, but yeah. having unatanium and adamantium and mithril does help with that. At least but with that part of you're it. You're still but... talking time. Yeah. So you got some guy who's just got a, a construct made of adamantium or an adamantium hammer, and he just all he does is he just hits diamonds all day long to make diamond dust for your stone skin. Fine, sure. Let's say he has that. How many thousands of dollars worth of gold did you buy? Oh, two. Cool. Well, that's the third time you're trying to cast stone skin, so I'm going to say no. You don't have the components. And you could do that for any high level spell or any spell you think is horribly broken is to look at those components. And make sure that they somehow have them. And yeah, some people might argue that there's some spells around some of it, but not those high costs. There's there's feats to help you with the lower level stuff, below like 50 GP, but there's nothing, nothing that higher. High. Right, there's like a spell, there's like a ward, uh, there's a, uh, in 5e, there's a, um, a glyph of warding, which does a lot of cool stuff. But it costs 200 gold pieces to make. Like you have to have 200 gold something that just go away when you cast it, when you make it. And that alone should stop, you know, basically all of your players from just running around with a, a book of glyphs of warding that they're able just to take out. Because it's like, well, how much was that book? That book was like 20,000 gold pieces. Like, there's no way. So look at the spell components to make sure they actually can. And I would do that on everything, by the way. That would be my my suggestion on everything they're trying to do. So anytime the wizard's getting involved and they got these really cool high-level spells, like, what is the casting cost of that? And if it's outrageous, I'd point it out. I'd rule lawyer on that, you know. They're going to rule lawyer on you on stuff. Now this is the good time for you to rule lawyer on them and be like, oh, well, you didn't like my, you know, you didn't like how gravity worked in that one little situation. But now, you know, you want to cast a spell that somehow costs thousands of gold pieces and you don't pay any, you don't pay a dime for it. And you want to cast it six times a day. No, I don't think so. So that's, uh, I guess that's like three ways to deal with it. One, make it harder. Two, uh, house rule some of those harder spells. Three, look look really hard at the spell components across the board for all spells that you consider to be overpowered because they may not be. It's just that you're not remembering that these things actually have a physical cost. 
Sometimes it's just a feather. That's easy. I don't care about that. But sometimes it's it's a lot of money in something very specific. Or something really obscure. Like it's like bat guano is one of them for one of the ones in 3-5. Yeah. yeah Where you are you go getting find... bat guano? Uh, yeah. Did you, are you doing a side quest? You know, here's the fun part. When you start making them do side quests for their uh, spell inventory, it's like, oh, now you're going to go spelunking in a cave to go yep. find bat crap. That's great. Or like, <laughs> or like the dooley for something. There's weird like plant ones too where you're having yep. to grab a specific plant, which you're not going to keep with you. Or maybe you are, but the thing is, like, I'm going to have to make you start making rolls to figure out how you got that. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. So your druid or your ranger or whatever, or somebody with survival, right, is walking around. Every time they're casting, they're kind of doing a survival 10 check yep. to constantly be on the lookout for herbs and other things that the wizard or the other sort of spellcasters might need in their spell components. And that's fine, but As I need a- to know that. As a quick tangent onto this, since we're talking about things that not a lot of DMs think about. Oh, yes. Arrows. Not everybody likes to count arrows. But at certain points, like if you're caving and dungeoning for weeks and they haven't been refilling arrows, where where is the ranger getting the arrows? And that helps with some of the intensity of making your your story a little bit tense and you pull back, and you have one arrow left. Yep. Now what? Pull now your what? dagger. You know. And the other thing, too, is you could argue then is, like, you can make... They could say, well, I'm pulling out all my arrows. Okay, that's fine. Every time they do that, roll a percentile die. Yep. And that's how many percent actually came out unscathed. So, yeah, that's fine. You got 67% of your arrows back. Rounded... Round down, thank you, whatever that is. Well, I shot four arrows. Cool. So, I guess you get... Two arrows back with no problem. I mean, I mean, it's not like D&D has skills and magical items to help with that reason. Exactly. That's why they want you to spend money is you should be counting that. And then the same thing could be said for encumbrance. I mean, you don't have to be a Nazi on like, oh, my God, you're like, you know, half a pound over. You're now small. But the problem is if you got your... If your oh. halfling's running around with a couch worth of like a, oh. a couch worth of stuff, you guys looted a dragon's hoard. How are you guys getting you that out of back? the dungeon? Yeah, that's millions of pounds of uh, gold there. Well, that's actually remember when I said that we made back in one of our other episodes. I said, "Hey, we made our guy like into a god, and we left him everywhere." Yeah, you guys kept we making couldn't copper. We couldn't, couldn't carry. It. Couldn't carry the copper. The DM's like that copper weighs eight hundred pounds, and we're like, uh, "We'll melt it into something and then sculpt it." Okay, fine. You spend three days doing that. Yep, fine by me. We'll spend three days sculpting a bronze statue because a copper statue because we can't take it out. Um, Actually, we did it with silver statue, and then I had shape shifted into something and carried it out because it was the only way to get the stupid thing back to town was to make a statue and then carry it out. And then when we got it, because we put handles on it, Mm -hmm. and then when we got it out, I turned into like some like dire ape or something and lifted it and carried it out to town. And then we mounted it down there. I mean, so we actually ended up getting really hilariously inventive. And our storyline was, I thought, better because the the the, the DM made us think about think, encumbrance. Think around the box. Right. What spells and what abilities do you have to work around that? Which just could be going back to town, hiring a few hundred mules, and then just making a train. Yeah, that's what you do. Levels. Or 28 spells and a shapeshift later. Yep, and you're done. So anyway, just uh, this, yes, this is technically about charm and dominate, but in a lot of ways it's about all your spells and it's about all these little things that 
most DMs take into account. And I know we're getting close on time, so I'm just going to mention one other thing. One of my smarter GMs, uh, and I have to say I did not, I've not done this, and I really should, literally just made us take off um, five gold a week in game time because that allowed us to compensate for any food, water, drink, and uh, wear and tear on any of our items. Yeah. And it was fair enough that we were like, oh, that makes sense because there's a cost to this. And I'll tell you what, that little 5GP, which was not a lot. Screw. Oh, my God. It added up so fast. But it made sense. Yeah. So, and even if we were like, you know, in a dungeon for that whole week, then the, his concept was we had spent that beforehand for rations and yeah. things going into it. Madrugula so, has to eat. Yeah. What are you eating? Oh, you're you're chowing down on the orcs you're killing? That's really gross. Oh, you're staying at an end. <laughs> that has a cost. Exactly. And that was what he, that was what the five GP was, was just this blanket cost that allowed us to and not spend forever and a day playing accounting. Honestly, if you look in the DMG, that's really, really like lavish in terms of the lifestyle based on what they have in the list price. So Yeah, and that let's just be honest, all the all the guys are prima donnas at a certain level. So anyway. That was how we did it. And so there's hopefully a ton of ideas that you can start incorporating into your game today. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.